Oh my god, I love this! From 87 Lafayette, it's Coronapod. I'm Adam. And I'm Matt. And, and welcome we to our new music. intro. Oh my god, this is how you know you've made it. I could, you know what, let's just shut up for a second and listen to this. Oh my god, Adam, tell our listeners how this, how did this even come about? Well, we had our guest John Merwin on the podcast, and uh, he threw that together, and it sat in my inbox for two days, and I just found it, and I thought, <laughs> you know, I didn't even give it a listen. I just, like, hit play, heard it was Boys Club, and was like, boom, <laughs> this is our intro. It's so good. This is our new intro, and now we, uh, we, we won't be using... Uh, Ween's music, uh... Without Ween's permission. Without Ween's permission, which is great, which is great. We'll only be, uh, violating rights in the outro songs now. I think this actually... So, Beck knew Ween, Luke knew Ween, and John knew Ween. But that might be it. They might be the only guests we've had who have known the band. I honestly did not know the band before we started this podcast. And I should say, we picked the song kind of as a, as a joke initially. As a total joke. And, but it works. The chorus comes in quick. Mm-hmm. It does what we need to do, which is get straight to the content. All right, let's get straight to the content. What's our content tonight? Uh, I think we should talk about a little fighter jet. Some some F-18 Hornets came mm-hmm. flying over Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Do you think essential workers felt heard when they saw those planes go overhead? Or do you think they said, wow, what an empty gesture? Okay, I got a couple opinions on this. Shoot. First of all... The planes were not socially distanced. Those planes were very close together. I said it when we were on the roof. I said those planes are really close. It may not be, it may be more than six feet, but you know what? If you're a plane, I think you got to keep your distance a little bit more. And they were not exhibiting good social distancing. I mean, literally, Bad example. one of the planes was literally right behind the other plane. And the plane was shooting out all sorts of condensation. All sorts of condensation. And the plane <laughs> flew straight through it. That is flying through droplets. If that plane had coronavirus half of brooklyn would know half of brooklyn would know if that plane had coronavirus it would have gotten all of its plane friends sick and then very upset no air force what else what um, else you know i did feel like an empty gesture i saw a lot of things on instagram that were like great thanks for shoving a little more carbon into the atmosphere where's my check and that's kind of my response too i was like yeah that's cool i saw some planes for like 10 seconds and then I thought about how many fossil fuels were burning uh, doing that, which I don't love. And uh, yeah, it just feels like, it, what was the point? You know, what has Trump done for this? He's put his signature on a check that you haven't gotten, and he sent some planes to fly over your house and make a sonic boom. Correct. That's it. Well, let's, let's turn to our guest tonight who might have some positive things to say about the government writ large. All I don't right. think, you know, let's not get too precise, but let's let's uh, let's give our guest a call. Hello, Hello welcome to Coronapod. Well, thank you very much. Uh, long time listener, first time caller. Well, happy, welcome happy to, the to show. have you. Wait, Adam, you got to intro the guest. Well, I was going to say, this is, this is a, probably, if I think about the people I've known in my life, the longest. I think, hands down, our guest tonight 
has known me longer than anybody else. Our guest definitionally. Is, is my mom. Welcome to the podcast, Mom. Well, thank you so much. It's 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 a thrill. Um, I will say, I the last of the episodes I listened to was your friend from the West Coast. So I don't know that I can what I will be offered able to offer this evening. But you know, happy to to chat. Well, we were just talking about the planes flying over New York City, and we were saying that they kind of felt like an empty gesture on behalf of <laughs> the government. But I think you can speak to us about something the government has done that is actually making a real difference. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, as of last week, um, I can say that the uh, PPP loan, the uh, Paycheck Protection Program, actually um, has uh, been able to assist the nonprofit organization I work with. Um, we, uh, I work for a national nonprofit that operates in schools, um, and Flash, um, school has not been in session since around March 13th, and actually, uh, we operate in over 1,800 schools across the country, uh, 49 in this region every day, um, and we have not been in school, and therefore, we have not been bringing in revenue and therefore therefore um the board of our organization facing a cash crunch made the decision to furlough uh over uh 85 percent of the staff but now but now thanks to ppp you're back to work and can you talk about well with kids out of school what does work mean for you yeah well so Work for me has been, I, I do development, I help raise funds for this organization, and uh, so when I was working, when we are all working, it was to do whatever we could to bring in revenue. Um, and uh, as an organization that uh, operates in schools, what we do is we make sure that kids get an opportunity to have safe and healthy play and all the good stuff that comes out of that. Um, we quickly pivoted to try and make resources available online for educators and families so that they would uh, be able to uh, experience the benefits of playing every day. Um, but uh, as of uh, April 2nd, my email was turned off and I actually couldn't do anything for the time that I was furloughed. But my colleagues um, uh, a few skeleton crew, um, amazing people, um, were able to continue to provide those online resources as well as apply for a um, PPP loan um, from the government, which they found out last week they received, and that meant that all of us who had been furloughed um, were brought back. Um, and that the important thing there is that it is. Uh, the, the key objective was to of PPP is to get cash into people's hands. Um, if salaries can't be paid, that's exactly what's happening. That um, we are going to be paid. Um, yeah, it, at least for eight weeks. That is the amount that you can apply for, and for eight weeks, we are being brought back. Uh, it remains to be seen what will happen after that because. 
really we're an organization that derives revenue from schools, from providing services to schools and others, and none of that is happening right now or for the foreseeable future. So I was going to ask you about that. You know, the the program gets, you know, you get your salary back, your coworkers get your salary back, but I think the initial idea was that this is supposed to allow businesses that, you know, otherwise wouldn't survive as kind of like a, a loan. Do you think this organization is, is in that kind of space? You know, we talk about how the PP pro, PPP program was depleted very quickly. Companies like Shake Shack took money initially. Like Shake Shack was in no danger of disappearing. How do you kind of think about, you know, a large nonprofit versus, you know, you know, a struggling small business that like might literally go under. Is, is that something that you think about or is it kind of like, no, you know, this is a program to keep people paid because that's what needs to happen? Well, what it is, is what the, the initial program is, and there's a subsequent one um, that has uh, an, another round of it. So, although I gather, I guess yesterday when it launched, they managed to the system crashed, but apparently it's working better today. Um, but the the key was to, you know, this is a tool to try to get cash into the system. Um, <laughs> uh, Congress has struggled to do a lot of things, um, but they recognize that you really need to get cash into people's hands back into the system, people being able to pay their bills, people being able to go out and buy things. The program is specifically designed to replace paychecks and um, 70, only 75 per, uh, 75% of it has to be used to pay employees and, again, eight weeks, uh, up to eight weeks, and um, no more than 25% to pay other stuff like rent, uh, utilities, and other things that it takes to uh, literally keep the lights on uh, and uh, keep an organization going. Um, for nonprofits, and I've spoken to a lot of my colleagues and other nonprofits, the challenge is, yeah, we really, this is, most of us or many of us have fiscal year end um, in June, at the end of June. Uh, a lot of fundraising happens in the spring. And, yeah, we are trying to, without the revenue, without the fundraising revenue, without the earned revenue, it's really hard to know how we can keep the rest of the organization going so that, as we like to say, we'll be there when kids get back to school, whenever that may be. Um, we don't necessarily, nonprofits don't have big reserves. Um, they would like to, but generally they don't. Um, and I would say that businesses like Roots Chris or Shake Shack, whatever, yes, they have investors, they have capital, so argue, they have, we hope, uh, one would expect uh, uh, owners and others that that enable them to have some cushion. Nonprofits don't have that kind of cushion. And uh, it, it really does remain to be seen what's going to happen after uh, this, these funds are, are um, exhausted. We, um, the, the idea uh, and the way the program is structured is that if you – these are loans, but if you use the loans in the fashion uh, in accordance with how it's laid out, they're forgiven. So they become a grant, and that's and that's exactly what we're doing. Um, you know, the funds are being used to put bring as many people back, give them paychecks, 
enable them to have health insurance through the end of June. Mm. That's kind of it. So I'm wondering, you work in development, and so you're sort of in the thick of trying to raise money for the organization as well. So I'm curious, as you're talking to donors and trying to bring in more revenue that way, what are you hearing? Are people saying, you know, I want to give more now because I understand how important this is and um, and clearly this needs our help? Or is the larger economic crisis also drying up that source of revenue? Yeah, it depends. It depends who you're speaking with. I, I, everybody recognizes this is extraordinary and the urgency. And I would say it took a little bit of time for people to, a little bit of time, a week or two, and people started to, as this started to build and people understood just the magnitude of what was happening to, to start to move um, and start to recognize that this is the moment, you know, if there's a rainy day and you're saving for a rainy day, this is it. Um, that said, in the, in the nonprofit community, there's, um, there is some frustration that there isn't a greater sense of urgency. Um, typically, our funders are, are there are three different groups of funders. You have um, individuals, um, you have corporations, and then you have foundation funders. Um, foundation funders generally give money and they have restrictions around it. Um, they are, the grants are written with specific requirements. They're to fund specific programs, not just general operating funds. Fortunately, just about every um, foundation, at least the ones that I've been in touch with, all of them where we had grants, they said, yeah, no, we get it. You, you just use the money however you need to. You're not going to need to provide the same uh, level of reporting and metrics to us because obviously you're not going to be surveying your schools in May. You, you, you know, take it and so forth. The question then is how... Uh, how are donors, though, then thinking about it? We're finding corporate funders, same thing. If they had already kind of allocated that they were going to, to give money to us, uh, maybe because of a sponsorship or an event and th those sorts of things, but generally that was budgeted and, and they've been willing and able to provide it. They've also been a number of um, special um, funds that have been put together, covid 19 relief funds that have been um, that come up and we've looked into applying for some of those although they tend to be very specific to you know providing PPE to healthcare workers or those who are really on the front lines um, which isn't a perfect fit with what we do we're kind of hybrid we're not we're not really on the front front lines um, the interesting piece that and I was actually reading a bit about it today because I'm sort of intrigued which is and this gets to you guys with some finance background. Um, one of the ways that individuals, you know, individuals give money, um, in part they do that, you know, they do it for all the best reasons, but also there are tax deductions that are available. Um, after the, the tax relief bill, the last one, the advantages of some charitable donations fell back because of limitations on uh, state and local tax deductions. There were sort of cap deductions. Um, and in the new, um, I believe it was in, I'm trying to, I don't remember which of the four bills that have passed, but they actually said 
$300. If you give $300 top line, you can do that. You can take that as a deduction against any income. So there's that's everyone should know that hmm. $300. Go give it to someone because that's an immediate deduction for you that you can take. Um, what we have been looking at, and a lot that are, um, and I'm intrigued by our donor advised funds, which you guys may or may not be familiar with. Basically, you can set up a fund and donate money or, or ask appreciated stock, things like that, into it, and then at a, have someone manage it and then at a later point in time decide how it's going to be uh, given away and allocated to uh, nonprofits of your choice. And that was a really, really popular thing, uh, way for, that is a very popular way for people to give away, uh, people, um, particularly wealthy people to give away money, to put it into a donor advised fund, a DAF, and then they can decide at some later date and there is no deadline, uh, there's no need to immediately give away the money. Um, And the idea is that you can just put it in there and then when you figure out how you want to give the money away, you do it. The whole nonprofit community is trying to get the word out that this is the time to empty your your donor advised fund. If you don't do it now, the nonprofits and the organizations you care about are not going to be around and able to uh, to, to continue to operate. It is that extreme, and um, you know a lot of the, the feeling sort of is, well, I want to make sure that I'm around, that this is around for ten years, that we'll be able to give money. Like, yeah, that's great, but the organization that you care about may not be around be able to survive this, to be able to, uh, to handle it going forward. So we are seeing a lot of um, uh, generosity from individuals. Um, there has been an increase in donor advised funds. You know, I was looking, there's a, a statement from the head of the Silicon Valley Community Fund, which has a lot of donor advised funds saying, please, at least double what you have distributed from your donor advised fund last year. So the, the message is getting out there, but you know, it's hard for people to sort of recognize. And I don't know if it's sunk in just how impactful this is on the nonprofit community. One last question for you. How has your job changed? Like, are you working less hours? Are the activities you're doing different from kind of pre COVID to today? Oh, that's a great question. Um, oh, I promised I would never say that when people say that's a great question. Sorry. Um, <laughs> as soon as we weren't in schools, there was just an urgency with ensuring that we can continue to keep the organization going and doing everything you can. Um, then a lot of us were put on furlough and we couldn't do much of anything. I mean, it's it hard enough for our program staff who can't be in schools, who can't be doing what they want to, to really, they, they exist to be able to be in schools working with kids, and they weren't able to do that because the school, most schools can't have uh, have people coming in, to have, even if it's to help give away, um, you know, meals and things like that. Um, and now we were unfurloughed as of yesterday. Uh, had a welcome back call, but, you know, the what we're doing is very different. Yes, I have things to do because I'm in fundraising, but our program staff, it's, it's, it's a whole new world, and they may not have anything to do. And 
you know, we people are doing what they can, but really, the the, the objective here is to make sure people are paid. Um, our president said it really well um, yesterday. We are, you know, we have to figure out what it's going to look like when we come back. And there's a group of people within the organization that are trying to figure out not only how to marshal cash or how to ensure we have revenue coming in. That's a big piece, collecting collecting revenue and, and school fees. But if you think about it, we are now, you know, it's going to look very, very different when we go back to school. Um, so we're kind of like a startup with significant assets. <laughs> We've been around for 24 years. We know a lot. We have a lot of really great expertise and so forth, but what are we going to be able to do with it mm, remains to be seen. And we're going to have to rethink absolutely everything. Well, we'll, we'll definitely ask you about it, you know, in, uh, you know, come September or in a month or two. Um, so thank you so much, Mom, for uh, coming on the podcast. And, uh, My pleasure. Hopefully see you at a distance of uh, six feet away sometime soon. Look, thank looking you. Looking forward to it. All right. Love you much. Bye. Take care. It's funny she said, you know, uh, that she tries not to say that's a good question. Because, hey, you're her son. She's got to say it. Well, I was going to say is like the idea is that it suggests that, you know, that's a good question versus a other question you might ask, which is a bad question. But I feel like, as you said, to your son, as someone who has asked lots of really dumb questions, I think definitely reasonable for her to say that one. That's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you got a little bit of praise from your mom. Uh, you know, it, it's always nice to get praise. Yeah, and the work she does for Playworks is really fabulous. Check it out. Playworks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been Coronapod. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay healthy. Coronapod is brought to you by Bobo the Cat. Follow her at Bobo underscore is underscore a underscore cat. Adam, I cannot laugh. You've got this rave <laughs> pulled up on your computer. We're going to go straight ridiculous. back to the Zoom rave.